Good job, worship team, and good job, worship team, all of you guys out there. Great job. Gary Perry, thanks for being here to tell me to preach the word. I missed you last week. I know you weren't. That's why I missed you. Those guys hollered out, preach the word, and that's what we always want to make sure we do here. We don't want to just do a Reader's Digest or uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul or uh, cool stories. We want to do. We want to preach from God's Word. And so, if you want to open your Bible today to Mark chapter sixteen, Mark chapter sixteen. Merry Christmas. And two words we say here every week. I'll say them, and you can repeat them. They're the two of the greatest words in the world: grace and peace. Grace. Amen. Amen. This Tuesday, as Wyatt announced, we'll have our. Uh, Let's see, actually, can you switch this over, Deborah? Thank you. We'll have our Christmas Eve service, and I hope that you'll plan to come. Uh, there are some, some uh, cards that got passed out out there. I actually uh, have a couple of posters if you want to put them up in your... Uh, I don't know where you're going to go in the next couple of days, if you're working or if you want to just go put them on your neighbor's door. In fact, somebody called the office this week and said, uh, is this the Gateway Church of Christ? Yes, it is. Why do I have this card? And Twyla was like, I'm uh, sorry, what are you talking about? I have this little black card. Where did I get it from? Twyla was like, I don't know where you got it from. She said, well, we don't go to your church. She said, where did this come from? And Twyla said, I don't know, maybe one of your neighbors or maybe just some random drive-by you know, card throwing. I don't, I don't know. So some of you are out there doing some inviting. We hope you'll do some more of that in the next two days. I've been carrying those little cards around in my pocket with me and handing them out at the bank and chasing people down in Midtown. Hey, hey, come, come back here. And so uh, hand those out to friends, to strangers, and uh, we'll gather to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Next week, you guys have the incredible uh, honor and privilege to get to hear Dennis Moore preach next week. You just heard him stand right here where I'm standing. And yes, yes, give him a hand. That's... Dennis, that's... Honor to whom honor is due, but that's also clapping for God is what that is because of what He's done in your life. Thank you for being willing uh, to preach next week. That's going to be a, a great day. Uh, our family will be in Canyon, and on a very personal note, let me ask you guys: you are if you happen to your mind wanders during my sermon, I know that could never happen, or if you fall asleep, that's never happened either. I almost called out some people's names, but I stopped myself. The Holy Spirit helped put a guard over my mouth right there. So um, if in this time, even right now, if you have a moment that you pray, uh, I would ask you to pray for my wife, Amy, and her mother, Connie. Connie fell this morning and broke her arm, and my mother-in-law is in her 80s. And you know, when a person breaks a bone in, in that age of life, it's a serious consideration and concern. And so please be praying for Amy. She left just a few minutes ago, and that's why Josh and I got up and left, uh, walked out to go say goodbye to her. So please be praying for them. And, and uh, we'll be gone to see them, and then we'll, Lord willing, we'll travel on to see my family in Oklahoma, and we'll be back next week. We're studying the book of Mark this fall, and today is the last study of the book of Mark for us. We're in Mark chapter 16. Our study has been titled The Sovereign Servant. 
What does that mean? Sovereign is the king, the one who's in control, the one who is over. Uh, it also it refers to divinity. I mean, this is sovereign. God is sovereign. He refers to himself that way. And so Jesus is God. He is sovereign. And thankfully, he is such a good king, such a good sovereign, that he uses his power. He uses his ability. He uses every resource that he has, and we see it throughout his life, and especially as he comes to the end of his life, that he uses all of those resources to serve others. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. And one of the things that was a service that people did in, the, in this fall that was really special to me is that 16 people from Gateway helped to write this little book right here. And I hope, uh, I hope most of you got one. We had, we had a bunch of them. We handed them all out. And uh, there are 16 of these. If you still want one and you didn't get one, just check with us at the office and we'll be glad to print one out for you. And you can go back and read through Mark. But 16 of our members at Gateway wrote a devotional about a chapter in, in uh, the book of Mark. And I want to thank those people. I'm so grateful. I grew. My heart was drawn closer to Christ because of each of you who spent hours studying and writing and getting that stuff turned in so we could share that with our church family. Thank you very much for doing that. As we finish this series today and we move into looking at chapter 16, I want to ask you a question. What causes you to feel like this? What causes you to feel afraid? What is it in your life? Spiders? Anybody? Raise your hand if it's spiders. Anyone? Me and Kaylin and Christian. Three of us. Okay. Oh, okay, thanks. Four of us back there. So the rest of you, you guys are tough. You're awesome. All right. Uh, how about snakes? Anybody snakes? Oh, we got a lot more snakes. Okay. Well, I know there's things like that, heights and and, um, you know, stuff that's kind of normal fears that we might feel afraid of. But there are more significant fears, aren't there, in life. Live long enough. You have fears about your health or the health of the people that you love, as I was just telling you a moment ago. If you live long enough, you have financial fears. How will we pay the bills? How will we get ourselves out of this hole that we got ourselves into? If you live long enough and God happens to bless you with children, grandchildren, there's fears for our children and our grandchildren. Is he still breathing? Can you hear him breathing? That's when we bring him home. You know, the, the first kid we bring home, we're trying to figure out what to do. I don't know why they let us bring him home. I'm still trying to figure that out. There's no training or license or anything. Is he breathing? What are we supposed to do? You know, we used to call for Raina. We used to call the hospital or call the ER all the time. You know, I don't know. She threw up and she's got a fever of 99.9. You know, we don't know what to do. They're like, just, just, just relax, breathe. So we have these fears and they go on through life, right? You guys that are older, you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. You guys... You guys have fears for your family, for your children, for your grandchildren? Maybe all of us, perhaps. Maybe it's universal. 
there's a certain amount of fear of death. And of course, the greatest fear of all, public speaking. That's what scientific studies say. (laughs) That means that most people who go to a funeral would rather be inside the casket than standing at this podium right here. That's what that means. I, I just am not sure that that was an accurate scientific study, but... I know during this time of year, we all say Merry Christmas. I know we mean it. But I wonder, today are you afraid? Our text today is going to give us three very good reasons to overcome our fears. So, as we always do every week, I'm going to say a prayer and we pray for three different things. We're going to pray for a congregation of believers in our, in our village. We do that every week. This week we're praying for the Mountain View Church of Christ and uh, that meets right out on Airport Road. And so we want to pray for them, pray for great success, pray for God to bless their, their services and, and uh, the ministry that they're doing, that their church would grow exponentially. We also pray for a a different missionary every week, and this week we're going to pray for Sydney Reynolds. She is the young lady who is in Houston. She works with a church called Impact. If any of you are here visiting from Houston or that area, or if any members from Gateway, if you take a trip to Houston for vacation, I'm not sure why you would do that. <laughs> but if you do, we're encouraging all of our members visit our missionaries. Would you be our contact? If you are going to Houston for some reason, talk to us here at Gateway. We'll get you Sydney's contact information. Take her out for a cup of coffee. Take her to lunch. Go see what she does. Come back and share that with our church family. And the the last thing, we always pray about some particular subject. And today we're going to thank God for the assurance of our salvation. And so after we say that prayer, then we will have the reading from our text today. It's from Mark 16, 1-8. And Kristen Mills will be reading that for us today. At the end, of course, she's going to do as we have been doing for a while around here. She's simply going to say, this, was, this is the word of the Lord. And we're all thankful for God's word, so we're going to say out loud, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we give you praise this morning for who you are. We trust you, God. In the midst of our fears, in the midst of my fears right now, God, I trust you. I thank you that you are a that you are a king that is in control, and you've proved that to me over and over and over. You prove that to us here over and over and over, that you're a good king. So we thank you for that today, God. We give you praise. Lord, I just want to thank You for the body of believers that's meeting at Mountain View Church of Christ today. I love those people so much. And I'm grateful for the love that we share between our two congregations. Uh, Lord, I pray today that You would be with their minister and uh, that as he preaches today, God, I just ask You to fill him with Your Spirit. I pray that as he proclaims the good news as Dennis did a few minutes ago, that hearts would be drawn to You, God. Uh, I pray that You'd be with that family as they 
begin to build a new building. I pray that you would, would help them with that, God. And I pray that over the next months and years that you would fill that building up with people who want to worship you, people who haven't known you, but they come to know you because of the work done there. Lord, we thank you for Sydney Reynolds. Uh, we look forward to meeting her sometime soon. And we pray, God, that, that uh, you would bless her ministry at Impact as she works with inner city kids. Thank you, God, for this young lady who has sacrificed a lot to uh, spread the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we also want to thank you right now for the assurance of salvation. We pray that as we read your word and we believe what you say in the Bible, that you will take away any fear we have that might erode that assurance we have. Help us to believe you, that you have saved us, that Jesus did the work at the cross. And help us to wrap our arms around that tightly, to cling for every moment of our life to His work. And we'll give you all the praise for it. And now, Lord, we pray that as we listen to Your Word, we pray, God, that You would move in our hearts, that You would touch our hearts, that You would awaken us if we've fallen asleep. We trust that you're going to do good work as the word of God is read. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Mark, right? Yes, Mark yeah. chapter 16, okay. verses 1 through 8. Thank you. <laughs> When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Kristen. Well, this text that Kristen just read to us is a proclamation of great news. Jesus, who was dead, is not dead. That's the proclamation. And I would expect these women to be overjoyed when they heard this. But in this text, instead... Mark states three times, these women were afraid. Three different times. These are the words that he uses in Greek. Ekthambeo. Anybody want to say that out loud? That's kind of fun to say. It means amazed or alarmed or terrified. It's the same word that is used to describe Jesus' emotion when he's in the garden of Gethsemane. 
and he's praying to God and he's begging him, Lord, please let this cup pass. It says that when he was there, he was deeply distressed. He was ekthumbeo. Second word that Mark uses in verse 8 is tromos. It means to fear or tremble or quake. You ever been so scared that you were trembling? You had that experience in your life where you just something happened and you're shaking? Maybe it was some kind of accident, a car a wreck, or some traumatic event. That's how these women felt. And on some level, for just a minute, why not? They just saw probably an angel. May have says it was a young man dressed in white. So it was either a young man. Some people actually say it might have been Mark. But maybe an angel. I'm going to say it was an angel. It could be either way. And they're trying to wrap their brains around the fact that Jesus is not dead. He's risen. And they're trembling. They're quaking. They're tromos. And then finally, the final word in verse 8 that Mark uses is phobeo. What word do you hear there? What English word? Yeah, phobia, right? And they were afraid, like a phobia, they were frightened. That's what this word means. Frightened, alarmed, or terrified. This word is used many times, more than the other two, throughout Scripture, hundreds of times, to say, when, when, when the Scriptures say to us, do not be phobeo. Do not be phobeo. Do not be afraid. They were phobeo. And the angel tells them not to be. And he gives them three very good reasons. And here they are right here. He says to them, He is risen. He says, He is going ahead of you, and you will see Him. Those are the three reasons that the angel tells the women. And there's still three good reasons for you and me not to be afraid today. And I know that may not directly address your fear that you might have thought of today when I ask if you have any fears. If I think about what I just said a moment ago about my mother-in-law and Amy driving over to Texas, how do these things, He is risen. He's going before you. You will see Him. How, how can these things address that? Well, let's see if they do. First of all, the angel tells them He is risen. And He shows them immediate proof. He's not here, He says. This is where He was laid. But look, look with your eyes. He is not here. These women are eyewitnesses to this account that He is risen. And of course, people have given other explanations for this disappearance of the body. Some have claimed His followers took His dead body. They hid it somewhere else where it couldn't be found. And they spread rumors that He came back to life. This, of course, was the fear of the religious leaders when Jesus was crucified. And so they petitioned Pilate. They said, please do something about this. We heard him make claims like that, and we think his followers will come steal the body. They'll come take it away, and then people will believe that he raised from the dead. And Pilate did do something about it. 
He rolled a gigantic stone in front of the tomb. He put his seal upon it, which if you broke that seal was punishable by death. And he posted guards. We're not just, you know, we're not talking about just like, (laughs) I almost said Bubba. But the Martins, they have a nickname for Bubba. So they didn't just put Earl and Earl's brother Earl, you know, with a 22 pistol that they pulled out of the barn. I mean, these are military trained killers that they put in front of the tomb. If the followers of Jesus did somehow get past all these blocks that Pilate had put up, if it was all a hoax, you would expect, I'm just saying it's just normal human nature, you would expect that one of them at some point would have confessed upon threat of their life. They would have said, don't kill me, we just made it up. It was a joke, I'll show you where he's buried. After all, they had all ran away when the soldiers showed up in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember that? Peter followed at a distance, but he folded like a wet napkin whenever a little teenage girl asked him, you know, you sound like him. You're, you're one of those guys, aren't you? No, I don't. Blankety blank blank. I don't know who the guy is. I mean, these are normal people like us. But none of them did change their story. All of these apostles, except one, went to a martyr's death. You can read about those in history of them being beat with rocks and killed, decapitated, crucified, killed in horrible ways. But they didn't pull back from what they believed to be true. And the reason they believed it to be true is because they were eyewitnesses. 1 John chapter 1, if you want to turn there, you can. It's verses 1 through 3. It says this. This is, this is one of the apostles saying, that which was from the beginning, that's talking about Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and what our hands have touched, Did you get that? What we have heard, what we have seen, what we have looked at, and what our hands have touched. This we proclaim, he says, concerning the word of life, Jesus again. The life appeared, Jesus appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Conspiracy theories will continue for all of time, but all the evidence points to the fact that Jesus indeed did rise from the dead. He was not seen only by the twelve closest, 
He was seen by more than 500 eyewitnesses. When that was written down in the book of Corinthians, the author of Corinthians says, many of those 500 witnesses, many of those 500 people who saw him, they're still alive today. As if to say, if you don't believe me when I write it down, just go talk to some of them. They'll tell you, oh yeah, oh yeah, we, we heard him, we saw him, we looked at him, and we touched him. Yeah, he rose from the dead. In Vicky's devotion that she wrote for this week, Vicki Cordova wrote for Mark 16, and I'm going to read a, several parts of this, but I'm going to read part of it right now. She says, early Sunday morning, these women left for the tomb. It's likely they had thought of nothing else since Friday. When they arrived, they did not expect to find the stone rolled away, nor did they expect to see the young man dressed in white sitting there. What they did expect to see was the lifeless body of our Lord. He has risen. He is not here, the young man said. And Vicki writes this commentary about this. Without the resurrection, the cross would be nothing. That's a powerful statement. Something amazing happened the morning Jesus rose from the dead. The author of life won the victory over sin and death, and death lost its power. Amen? Vicki's right, and the Bible says that if, if Jesus died for our sins, we could have forgiveness. That, that, that's great. He could die for our sins. But if it was only for this life that we had hope, the Apostle Paul said we're to be more pitied than anybody else in the whole world. He's basically saying we're the dumbest people on the planet if we're only hoping for what we get out of Christianity in this life. If the resurrection is not true, we're the earls. I'm sorry if there's anybody named Earl, by the way. There's a lot of, a lot of guests here today. I, maybe I shouldn't have done that. What does the resurrection have to do with the fears that we have? Well, if the story's true, and I'm convinced that it is, then we do, then, then the question would be this what do we have to fear? If the story's true, Jesus, the one we trust, the one we follow, has conquered death. In other words, he's the first fruit of a tree, the tree of resurrection. I talked about this on Wednesday night. If you go to a tree and it's a fruit tree and you pull off a piece of fruit and it's an orange, then what do you expect is going to come after the first orange came off? What's going to come off that tree? More oranges. Jesus, the Bible says, is the first fruit from the tree of resurrection. Who is going to be the next fruits? All the believers in Jesus are going to be the next fruits because He's given us the gift of eternal life. And the hope and proof that it is real came by Him overcoming death by the power of the Spirit. Let me say it a different way. Imagine a young woman. Just she gets to use a time machine. And she goes ahead 20 years in her life. And she sees her life 20 years from now. And she stands there and looks at it. She's happy. She's healthy. She's married to a handsome, kind, hardworking Wealthy man. 
not a bad deal. She has three healthy children. She lives in a beautiful dream house. She's surrounded by family and friends. 20 years from now, things are great. She's been there to the future. She traveled in the time machine. She's seen it. And then she comes back to the present. And she lives the next 20 years. In those 20 years, whatever situation she faces, will she be afraid? She might be tempted to be. She's driving in crazy traffic where she could have a tragic wreck. But yet she knows the future. It's going to be okay. She's trying to choose a career. What if I get what if I do it wrong? What if I don't? But she knows the future, it's going to be okay. She's walking along the side of the Grand Canyon. Somebody says, "Be careful, you might fall." And she goes, "I'm not going to." I know I'm not, cuz she's been to the future and it's going to be okay. She sees a snake. She should still run. If we know the future, and the future is good, then it's going to be okay. Whatever might be going on. I just have to tell you one quick story that's not in my notes. And I asked permission from Russ Gillette to tell this. Russ and Aaron have been building a new house on their property down in the valley. And this week, there was some kind of accident or incident or something that happened with one of the... uh, wood-burning stoves that was perhaps not installed correctly or something, and a fire started in their attic and damaged their house significantly. What will they have to do? They're not sure yet what they're going to have to do. And I just was trying to say to Russ, because he's my friend and I love him, I was trying to say, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I am sorry. I, I, feel, I feel sorry that that happened. And and Russ said, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. God's taking care of us. Could have happened at night. You could have been planning our funerals. Could have been happened when there was 60 mile an hour wind a week ago. People would have showed up and just said, we can't do anything about this. Could have burnt the whole house down. But it's okay. He's, and, and here's the deal, I, I, I think. I'm now, those are Russ's words me saying his words for him. I think I could even say this for him. If we were planning his and Aaron's future, uh, future, their funeral, it'd be okay, wouldn't it? Amen? It'd be great. Yeah. Wouldn't have to replace a roof. I don't mean to make light at all. I truly am sorry. You see, death is inevitable, folks. Death is inevitable. It's going to happen to Every person sitting here, unless Jesus comes back first. In fact, a bunch of you are going to die pretty soon. Clark thinks that's funny. Some of you might think it's a little harsh. Like, that's not very nice to say, John. But I'm not the one who said it. The Word of God says your life, that's all the way from Carner and Caitlin's life up to the oldest person in here. Your life is like a mist. It's here for a little while. And it's gone. Another place in the Bible says, in just a little while, the end is going to be here. 
I asked a guy one time, hey man, where are you heading? And I'd never forget his answer. He said to me, I said, well, I'm, I'm heading to the graveyard just like everybody else. But right now I'm on my way to Walmart. I think it's interesting how shocked we are when we hear the news. Aunt Sally was in the hospital and she didn't make it. She passed away. No! Oh my goodness! I can't believe it! Why can't we believe it? It might be better to say, no, no. Oh, I knew this was going to happen. I knew it. And I loved her so much and I'm going to miss her. Might be a better phrase. Then I can't believe it. You should believe it. It's going to happen to every person. It's coming. And somehow it's still, even believers, even people who've put their faith in Christ, even people who know the future and can say like us, hallelujah, it's still frightening to us. We are ekthambio. We are tromos. We are phobio. But it doesn't have to frighten us so much if we believe this angel, this young man dressed in white, if we believe the 12 apostles who were martyred, the eyewitnesses, if we believe the 500 eyewitnesses who say, He is risen. Thank God. The second thing that that was announced is that He is going ahead of you. He's going ahead of you, and historically this is true. He's going to Galilee But it's also true for you and me because He is the Holy Spirit. He is going before us. In the reading that was read this morning, I believe that was Andrew who read. Was that Andrew? Okay. About Joseph. Joseph and Mary, right? And Joseph is a good man and he's thinking he's going to divorce this woman quietly. But he was afraid. Did you know that? Did you know he was afraid? If you were engaged to somebody and they came and told you they were pregnant by the Holy Spirit, would you be afraid? Probably one of the emotions. You probably have a lot of emotions. He was afraid. And the way I know that is the angel came to Joseph and said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why? You see the situation I'm in? Why would you tell me not to be afraid? That is ridiculous. But he tells him a word that is the reason. The word is Emmanuel. Do not be afraid. Emmanuel. God is with us. He's going ahead of you, Joseph. It's going to be okay. Most of the time when a person feels afraid, most people anyways, what's one of the things that we always do? We call somebody. We text somebody. We reach out to someone. We hold on to another person. We ask for help or advice. Why do we do that? Because fear grows in isolation. Think about that for a moment. If you're afraid today, I want you to hear this close. Fear grows in isolation. When we share our fears, when we're listened to, fear diminishes. And Jesus said this, It's going to be better for me to leave this earth because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. How in the world could that be better? Better than Jesus being in the room drinking a cup of coffee? 
with his disciples? How could that be any better? Because the Holy Spirit is with all believers. The Holy Spirit counsels us, the Bible says. The Holy Spirit warns us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. So that when we're heading in the wrong direction, and we're afraid, am I going to step in the wrong place? The Holy Spirit warns us. Don't step there. He's with us. When we don't know what to do, He teaches us. By God's Word, for sure. Probably the main way. But He teaches us through one another as well. As we listen to other believers. He teaches us as He speaks to us. He comforts us when tragedies do strike. When circumstances are bad. He is with you. And knowing this takes away fear. And more than that, the Holy Spirit is going ahead of you. When you are waiting in a doctor's office for the results, the Holy Spirit is going ahead of you. When you are sitting beside your spouse with a marriage counselor, the Holy Spirit has gone ahead of you. When you're praying for your children or your grandchildren, the Holy Spirit has gone ahead of you. That's what we all need. I'm so glad that I can still call my dad and mom. I'm grateful and blessed that my mom and dad are still alive. I can call them and I know that they are with me. When I hear their voice on the phone, when I visit them, but I also know this, they've gone ahead of me. They've already been down the road that I'm on right now, that I'm walking on today. They've gone ahead of me and they know some things that I don't know. Still, still true. And when I talk to them about what is ahead, my fear diminishes. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. He diminishes our fear because He is with us. And the last one is this. The last announcement is you will see Him. And they did see Him. The end of the Gospels tell us this. And this same person who called His own death and resurrection, that his, that's Jesus Christ. He called it. It's like, the, it's like, you remember, was it Babe Ruth that stepped up to the plate? Pointed out to the outfield? You guys know? Is that who it was? Who was around? Were you around, Gary, when he did that? Were you there? Okay. And he pointed to the outfield... He called it and then he pulled it off. That's the guy who can tell you about baseball, okay? The guy who called his death and resurrection and then he pulled it off. That guy tells us, you're going to see me again. You're going to see me again. John 14, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to be where I am. Does that make a difference in our fears? I read a story years ago about an elderly woman who, at least by the description in the article, I pictured as kind of frail and maybe had a cane and you know, kind of puttered around a little bit. And some gangsta I don't know, I just, just some guy, maybe, I don't know, it could have been Earl, I don't know who it was, just some person came up and, and had a gun and said, I'm here to rob you and give me 
give me your money. Give me your purse. Give me the stuff in your car. And she's tottering around trying to grab the stuff. She's trying to give it to him. And he told her, hurry, I'm going to kill you. And the woman stopped what she was doing. She turned around to him and she said, don't you dare threaten me with heaven. That does not scare me. Makes a difference in our fears, doesn't it? If we believe, we're going to see Him again. 1 John chapter 3 says this, Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know, so here's what we do know, that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He is. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 says, Behold he comes with the clouds and every eye shall see Him. In Revelation 22, verse 4, are we just going to see Him on the clouds a long way off like a little bitty speck over there? You know? No, Revelation 22, verse 4 says, we shall see His face. We're going to see Him again. One more big fear. Some people say, I'm afraid I might not see him because of some things I've done. I just, I'm going to give you, I mean, this is always me talking. I'm like a talking head, just wah, 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 wah. I'm just going to be quiet for like 30 seconds. I'm going to invite you to do something. I'm going to invite you right now. This may be a little bit painful. Maybe something that you blocked. I'm not looking forward to it. That's a great introduction to what I'm about to tell you, isn't it? I'm going to just give you a few seconds. And I want you to remember and think about the worst thing that you've ever done in your whole life. When you think about that thing, maybe it's... Maybe it was a long time ago. It could have been yesterday. It, it might have been something. It, it could have been something that no one else in the world knows about. It could be something that you did decades ago and you've moved to this place and nobody here knows about it. It could be something that you've blocked out of your memory and you're pretty angry with me for bringing it up right now could be stuff like that. And it causes us, because we're human, because our hearts, the Bible says, condemn us sometimes, it causes us to question and say, will I see Him? And that's why Mark included two little words in the text. This is good news. These two words are great words. This is awesome, good, good news that I'm about to share with you. Here are the two words. And Peter. That's, does that sound like good news? It doesn't seem like it. You've got to get the context, don't you? The announcement is this. Go tell the apostles. That includes Peter. Peter's one of the apostles, right? But the announcement is this. Go tell the apostles and Peter. See, all the apostles had abandoned him. But Jesus wants them to know, I forgive you for that. You're still a part. And Peter went further by denying that he even knew Jesus. But Jesus says, I want to make sure that Peter knows too. 
I want to know. I want to make sure you tell Peter he's still a part of the group. I forgive him. And so what about you today? Are you afraid that something you did has disqualified you from spending eternity in heaven? I'll tell you, you've, all the sins you've done have disqualified you from spending eternity in heaven. But the death of Jesus paid for all those sins. This is another part that Vicki writes. Go and tell his disciples and Peter. These are disciples who deserted him and Peter who denied him. Vicki says, I'm not judging these men. I can't imagine their sorrow and confusion. They had to have been asking themselves what just happened here. And what about Peter? Did he play the words of Jesus over and over in his mind? Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And then Vicki says this, I'm so thankful that God looks deeply into our hearts and sees what others cannot see and loves us despite our actions. Thank you, Vicki. The good news is this. God says, go tell my followers and Chad. Go tell my followers and Toby. Go tell my followers and Cindy. Go tell my followers and Noah. Go tell my followers and Mr. Hartgraves. Um, That's not Mr. Hartgraves. That's a, sorry, my mind sometimes gets messed up. That's Stony Stone Street. Go tell my followers and Stony. God won't forget your name. Go tell my followers and Linda. Go tell my followers and Patrick. Go tell my followers and Adriana. I'm not saying you guys aren't followers. I'm simply saying He puts your name. When He says, and Peter, you fill your name in. Because Jesus said, go tell all my followers and anybody who thinks they might be disqualified. You go tell them. Forgiveness is available. You're still part of the family. God is with you. Let me invite the worship team to come up. We're going to finish today by singing a great song. And I know what we've talked about. Perhaps still these may not directly address your fear. But I just want to tell you a little simpler story as we finish. Years ago, it's, I don't know, maybe close to 20 years ago, there was a time when there was a circumstance going on here around Gateway. And there was a man who, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a hard circumstance. It was, a, it was a awful, like I was young and I thought, I can't see how we're going to make it through this. And there was a man who pulled me aside. He just kind of grabbed a hold of my shoulders and he said, John, it's going to be okay. And I said to him, I don't think so. Because I didn't. I was afraid. And you know what? It was okay. That man was right. That man knew, even though you're afraid, John, even though you're afraid, it's going to be okay. Don't go away today afraid like these women were. Ekthembeo, Tromos, Phobeo. Don't go away that way today. Because the words spoken, He is risen. He is going ahead of you. And you 
will see him. I'm going to finish this time with a prayer that Vicki Cordova wrote, and then we're going to stand and sing this song. If you have a fear that you want us to pray with you today, Wyatt's going to be standing over here, I'll be standing over here, Dennis usually stands right in the middle in the back, Kim Chesser, where are you going to go? Are you going to go in the balcony? Why don't you go right there to the back too? Kim will be back there. And uh, Dennis will be back there. And if you have a fear and you want prayer today, that's why we're here. We want to pray. If you are ready to put Christ on in baptism today, oh man, it'd be the greatest Christmas. It'd be great. So you can come when we stand and sing. Let's pray. Father, let us not just pass through this world just smiling and waving on this train called life. But let us rather stop and reflect and be filled with gratitude for what the Lord has done. May the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ compel us to live for Him. In the powerful name of Jesus, our Lord who lives. Amen. Let's stand and sing.